Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today, we celebrate St. Mary Magdalene, and this is a feast day. I believe back in 2016-ish, Pope Francis elevated uh, this memorial to a feast and called her the Apostle to the Apostles. And so uh, today, it's one of those days where we get to relax the restraints of uh, Friday's penances because it is a feast day. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, her and then... I think in general about the women that follow Jesus uh, around uh, who were critical to his ministry. Uh, But first, I just wanted to make everybody aware that um, I I was reading that up in Wisconsin, there's Catholic men's groups that are now uh, guarding pregnancy centers because there's a rash of attacks on pro-life clinics across our country. Can you imagine that people are targeting Clinics that help women have babies. I mean, <laughs> I just, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I just can't believe the level of this malignancy and hatred towards life. It's unbelievable to me. So pr- please keep the pregnancy centers in your prayers. Pre- please keep these men, these good men's groups that are guarding these pregnancy centers uh, in their own free time. Uh, just, uh, we live in such a, a strange time, hard to believe. Okay. Uh, also next week I'll be on vacation. So, uh, we'll be run, we'll be running some of the more popular or, or requested shows that we've had on the air in the last couple of years. Um, I think Darren Ham will have his, uh, two day, uh, story about, uh, his little boy that he went to heaven with. And some others. So uh, do do tune in. There was wonderful programming that we're going to repeat some of the the highlights of those shows. Uh, I'll be back a week from Monday. All right, Mary Magdalene. What do we know about her? Well, first of all, you know she's one of the most speculated people of the New Testament in modern day. You know, there's been movies that have embellished her life, uh, like The Da Vinci Code, and others who uh, some have claimed she married Jesus. That's a bold-faced lie. Uh, She did not marry Jesus. Jesus was a a celibate man who never married. Um, You could say he was married to the church. Uh, And he's the head of the body of Christ. But So all these rumors about her, uh, not true. We know for a fact a few things. She was possessed by seven demons. So she was probably a very miserable woman until she met Jesus uh, and tormented. Uh, many believe the seven represents the seven capital sins or the seven uh, capital demons, pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, and sloth. Um, but we don't know for sure. Only God knows. So what do we know? We know that her name is mentioned 
a dozen times in the Gospels. Now, that might not sound like very much to you, but that number is greater than almost all of the apostles' names are mentioned, and her appearances are, are of great consequence. So uh, when she does, when she is mentioned, it's, it's for a very important reason. All four Gospels tell us that she stood as a witness at the cross of Jesus. She was there with Mary, the mother of God. Uh, and then John had come back after fleeing. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us she was also at his burial. And most importantly, all four Gospels record her eyewitness testimony of the empty tomb. So, if there was ever uh, an indispensable witness of the events of Holy Week, it was Mary Magdalene. She alone saw everything. Uh, her name is uh, a very common female name in the New Testament. Uh, the name Mary was enduring a surge of popularity in the first century Judea region. And uh, Magdalene indicates the place where she was from. So Magdala was a city on the western shore of Lake Tiberias. And we also know that she was a woman that traveled with Jesus. So um, she was there to help him probably cook some meals, support him. Um, the only other detail we know from her life is that she was delivered from her bondage to those seven demons. Now, assuming that the demons had driven her to sin, some of the church fathers identified her with the sinful woman who anointed Jesus's feet and bathed them in tears of repentance. But that is speculation. It could be, but it might not be. And almost everything we know about her we learn from the final scenes in each of the four Gospels. Uh, she's portrayed as probably the most steadfast witness to uh, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection. Uh, of course, the most steadfast witness would have been his mother, but the most steadfast witness we have uh, documented writings about is Mary Magdalene. So what, can, what else do we know here? She remained at the scene of Jesus's execution when all of Jesus's uh, male friends, the apostles, ran away, and she proceeded to his burial, and then she returned to the tomb as soon as the Sabbath had passed. In fact, it was still uh, very early in the morning. It was dark out. And she had this singular love for Jesus that made her so bold in ways that the men were not. She she had known the torments of hell during her years on earth, being possessed by those seven demons. And as a result of her being set free by Jesus, you can imagine, she had a tremendous gratitude that never waned. The, the gratitude, if you've been in darkness <clears throat> to the degree that you are, you're, you no longer can control your body because of demons, uh, and you got set free, that freedom is, uh, it's you feel more alive than if the event had never happened because you realize how bad it was. Uh, and most people, thank God, never get to, to experience this. But when you work with possessed people and then they're liberated from those demons, you, you just see a tremendous joy, a tremendous peace, and a tremendous gratitude to be set free. And Mary Magdalene would have been somebody who would have experienced that. Uh, when we see her at this famous scene of the resurrection, uh, she shows up at, at the tomb early while it's still dark, and she sees that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So then she runs, 
she runs to tell the disciples that Jesus's body has been stolen. And it's interesting to note here, she wasn't looking for a resurrected Jesus. She's looking for a corpse. Mary went to the tomb to look for the corpse of Jesus. And what she says to them, she says to the uh, apostles, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and I do not know where they have laid him. Oh, I've been in many a church where I've walked in the church and said the same thing. They have taken the Lord and I don't know where they have placed him because he's not in the, the sanctuary of the church. Uh, have you ever been to one of these churches that has Jesus in like another room somewhere and uh, th there's no sanctuary lamp? And it's puzzling when you walk in a Catholic church and you can't see where to reverence him. But for some reason, that's how they built uh, many churches uh, during the 70s and 80s. Um, and so uh, that Sunday morning, she turns and she sees a man standing nearby when she goes back to the tomb. And she didn't recognize it was Jesus at first. She thinks it's the gardener. And she says to, the, to Jesus, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Now, isn't this interesting? Jesus was not a small man. I mean, we would think he's probably uh, based on the, uh, the cloth that we have from the tomb. Uh, he's about six feet or 5'11". And so he's probably about 180 pounds. I don't know how this woman was thinking she was going to carry his body, but she, she seems to be filled with zeal that she's going to get it done. So uh, Jesus then speaks her name. When he speaks her name, she knows immediately that it's him. And then in her excitement, she must have lunged to grab him. Uh, and he says, do not hold me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Then he gives her this interesting command, go tell my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. So she, being the obedient uh, disciple she is, uh, she goes back to the disciples and she goes, I've seen the Lord. And she told them what he had instructed her to say. Now it's a brief encounter, but it's very rich in meaning. Mary's meeting with Jesus had been foreshadowed centuries earlier in the scriptures, the Song of Songs. So it's this Old Testament, very allegorical uh, love poem. And in recognizing Jesus, Mary fulfilled the verse of the song, which says, I sought him, but I could not find him, and my heart leapt up when he spoke. It's literally what happened to her. Uh, so very interesting point there. And then Jesus entrusts Mary with a mission and a message. And uh, she was singular in her testimony. For her role at Jesus's passion, she earned privileges that were unique in sacred history. And somebody that recognized this was St. Thomas Aquinas, who is arguably one of the top three theologians of all time. Uh, and this is what Thomas Aquinas says about these three privileges that Mary Magdalene was given. He says, first, she had the privilege of being a prophet because she was worthy enough to see the angels for a prophet is an intermediary between angels and the people. Secondly, he adds, she had the dignity or rank of an angel insofar as she looked upon Christ, on whom the angels desire to look. And finally, she had the office of an apostle. Indeed, she was an apostle to the apostles insofar as, as it was her task to announce our Lord's resurrection to the disciples. 
So she had the dignity of a prophet, she had the rank of an angel, and she had the office of an apostle. Not bad, you know. Uh, this teaches us something that we learned from many of the saints. You know, Augustine would be one of them, Ignatius would be another, Mary Magdalene is a third, and there's many. And the premise is this, it's not how you begin on the Christian journey. It's really how you finish that counts. And she finished well. After this, uh, we believe that she went off uh, with other holy women uh, uh, and continued to uh, build up the church until her death. So uh, it's a feast day. Go enjoy it. Uh, you know, have a bowl of ice cream or something special in honor of St. Mary Magdalene. Now, when we look at her, let's look at the other women that were prominent around Jesus, uh, and we can pull some lessons from these women. Uh, there was a group of them that followed him around, and they supported him, uh, even financially, and the 12 apostles. Uh, and they stuck with him and uh, were very uh, good to Jesus. So... If we look to the 8th chapter in the Gospel of Luke, we see this. This is from Luke 8, 1 to 3. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Mary Magdalene, uh, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Uh, so these patronesses of Jesus' ministry, they weren't just following, they were actively involved in his ministry. Uh, in fact, the word used for their activity in Greek is diakoneo, which sounds like deacon, doesn't it? This is the, where we get the word deacon. So they weren't just supporting Jesus with their finances, but they were following him as disciples and ministering to him. And they were not deacons, in case you're jumping to that uh, assumption. They were not deacons, but they were serving. Luke uh, seems to give us a, a more insight into these women. Uh, we know that they were healed, some physical, some spiritual. And the most prominent among them would be, uh, would be these three that got named. So Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. But there were others. Uh, and we can't underestimate what these unnamed women did for the ministry. Um, of course, their role would be different than the apostles, but still incredibly important. And uh, here are some of the lessons we can take away. So, the women are an example of what it means to follow Jesus. So, they gave freely, they join him on the mission, uh, and they walk with him. Those are good lessons right there. Uh, and in addition to that, they show gratitude. They show gratitude. So we should be showing gratitude for how Jesus has healed us. And if you think you haven't been healed, you're wrong, because the the nature of baptism in itself is uh, restoring us from original sin is a great healing, tremendous healing. And then there's all sorts of other healings throughout our life. The more time you spend in the presence of Jesus, the more you're going to be healed, the more you're going to be filled with his grace, with his love, with his peace, with his joy. And so if you're feeling uh, that the world is, is creeping in on you and crushing you, 
get out to a Catholic church, go find some adoration where you can adore the Lord, even if he's not out of the tabernacle. You can adore him in the tabernacle. Um, you know, you got to remember, Jesus, for these years of ministry, pretty much was homeless and penniless. And from Luke's description, it appears uh, that these women were saved from a great deal of brokenness. And so, again, that's, that gratitude comes forth that they want to they want to serve him, they want to help him. And uh, what what greater reason could we have that we've been spared from eternal death? Sometimes we forget that. But when we remember what he did for us on the cross, we, we it should restore the joy in your heart. And that joy can lead us to our uh, a new uh, outlook on life. When you realize that uh, God came down from heaven to die for you so that you could be with him forever in paradise. Isn't that, that should put a smile on your face. That should make you happy, regardless of what you're going through. Uh, another point we can say is uh, about these women is we should also be mimicking them and using the resources we've been given to continue the work of Jesus Christ. Right, And that's actually one of the precepts of the church, that we, we have to help support the church financially to keep the mission going. Imagine, for three years, they're you know on foot all over uh, Judea, and uh, they left behind their fishing nets, and uh, the tax collector, he left the booth behind. So they left their means of making money. And uh, Jesus didn't miraculously multiply fish and loaves every day, so one would presume they had to buy food when they wanted to eat. And uh, many of these uh, women would be helpful in, in doing that. And then they probably prepared the meals as well. Uh, another lesson we can take away is uh, we can use our giving as a way to stay close to Jesus. You know, it seems clear that the, the women being so devoted, they're giving their money, their possessions, their time, their influence, their service, everything they're giving to Jesus as they're staying by his side. That was the greatest gift they really got, is to be so close to him. And uh, they would get to know him personally. We should be doing the same. We should be getting to know Jesus personally and wanting to be closer to him. Uh, you know, And we know that the spirit dwells within us but when we go to a Catholic church where Jesus is present uh, substantially, his body and blood alive, um, the only difference between us and the apostles and these women is that we can't see him in his physical body, but he's just as present there in the church as he was to these people. And, um, you know, when you speak to him, he's listening. And if you really silence your mind and heart, uh, oftentimes you can hear him speak back to you. Particularly if you open up the scriptures and you start reading some passages, um, some, sometimes certain phrases will jump off the page at you. That's the Holy Spirit enlightening you as to what God wants you to take away from that, from that scripture. Uh, and it, it really is a living word. It's not just another book with words on pages. It's completely different because it's... It's Jesus, you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that word is him as well. That's another way we get to know him. 
uh, I believe it was St. Jerome said, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Jesus Christ himself. So we, we would never want to be considered ignorant of God. Uh, finally, these women, they stay with him to the end. It's another very important lesson we, we must learn. You know, it's how you finish that counts the most. You have to finish on, on a high note, being, uh, being faithful, being devoted, uh, being great disciples of Jesus. Uh, and, and this wasn't easy, you know. When they go with him up to Jerusalem and they witness his murder, and everybody knows they're friends with him, they had to be wondering, uh, I wonder what's going to happen to us. And yet they stay, right? They stay with him. Uh, in Mark chapter 15, verse 40 and 41, we read this. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Jesus, uh, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. So there's a whole cadre of these women that have come up and are witnessing his passion, death, and uh, ultimately his resurrection. So Joanna, Mary, and others stayed with him while he was dying. Um, and this is even, now think about this, all the men have deserted them. This really is the greatest scandal the church has ever witnessed. Uh, it's th this Good Friday is the greatest scandal ever witnessed in the church because the men were just ordained at the Last Supper. This is the ordination evening and they all abandon Jesus and then John comes back. But imagine being the women and seeing all the men run away. It's like, oh, wow, they left us here. Now we have no one to protect us. And yet they don't leave. It's it's quite extraordinary, the, uh, the grace they are given. And I'm sure it had to do with the Blessed Mother. I'm sure she's right in the midst of them. And uh, it's her support and her prayers that's uh, the stabilizing factor in this group of women, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so then we know... Uh, when Joseph, uh, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body, those women were there too. And Joanna helped prepare his body for burial, and Mary waited outside his tomb until he rose. Uh, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. These were truly Jesus' friends. He's dead, and they still weren't going anywhere. And then he rises from the dead, and they were there waiting for him. We too are called to abide with him. You know, we, we hear that in John 15, and uh, we'll be blessed immeasurably if we wait for him until he returns. That we hear in Luke 12, 35 to 40. That's the promise of Jesus Christ to persevere to the end and be faithful, and the great reward will come at the end of life. Uh, you know, what he said to the good thief this day you will be with me in paradise. Uh, that guy wasn't living such a great life. You know, he admitted to being a thief and deserved to be on the cross in his own words. He said that. And Jesus says, uh, because he defended Jesus, Jesus says to him, this day you will be with me in paradise. So, you know, the mercy of God is so great, it's really unfathomable for the human mind to grasp. But, and the other thing that's so fascinating to me is so many people don't even care there's just so many people 
it's the lukewarm who who really don't care that he came down and died for us so that we could stay with him in heaven and what the reward in heaven is like nothing on earth it's beyond comparison to anything we have seen here it is a place of immense uh, eye-opening um, experiences they have colors we haven't seen they have scents and smells we haven't smelled here um, uh, there's even animals, I believe, that, that do not exist on earth that are there in heaven. These are the things people tell us who've been there and come back. Uh, and if you read the book of Revelation, there's quite a bit in there as well. So we have to be a people that are faithful, that are serving, that are uh, expanding Jesus's kingdom. That's your mission for the next week. It's been wonderful to be with you. Keep me in your prayers. Also, Susan Skinner is uh, taking a hiatus. She's got a lot going on in her life, and uh, she needs to be focused on her family right now. So keep her in your prayers as well. God bless you, and may the blessing of Almighty God come down upon you and remain with you forever. And I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out. Mm -hmm.